And welcome everyone to this bonus episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. And Nick and Scott here. We just finished recording our part two of our last dance recap. So uh, go check that out when it's released. Part one will be released on Monday. Not sure when this this little bonus uh, will be released, but um, if those are out there, go check them out. Uh, let us know what you thought of them. It was a really good, you know, documentary, and it was fun recording and reminiscing about it but uh we just wanted to record this really quick um bonus episode just to talk about some current topics that are happening in new york sports um today you know friday may 22nd the jets um signed veteran quarterback and super bowl winner joe flacco as their backup quarterback um nick i I think um both of us are pretty happy with this signing. Yeah, I mean, one year, $1.5 million contract incentives, uh, according to Rich Samini, include up to $4.5 million. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy that they went the route of signing a backup quarterback, a veteran backup quarterback, because we look at the Jets, the Jets depth chart. Got Sam, unquestioned starter. Got Mike White, who's at the bottom of the depth chart. We got David Fales, and we got James Morgan, who's the rookie that they drafted at FIU. The Jets haven't had a proven backup veteran quarterback probably since Josh McCown. And we love good old Joshy. So, but the thing with Joe Flacco is, you mentioned it when we were talking before, not really a type of guy that's going to come in and mentor Sam Darnold. Now, do you think Sam Darnold still needs that mentorship? I believe so. He's only going into his third year in the league. He still needs some help. But... Joe Flacco, this signing makes just so much sense, and I and I love it. Not only because Joe Douglas had a hand in drafting Joe Flacco from small school, University of Delaware, um, seeing him grow into a Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion with the Baltimore Ravens, but Joe Flacco is actually a guy that can play. The Jets, we saw it firsthand. Trevor Simeon went down with an injury. And Luke Falk, he just couldn't play. So... It's nice to have that safety blanket. Now, Joe Flacco is not an all-world backup quarterback. Like, I mean, but he's serviceable. He's He can step in there, take control of an offense, and be serviceable. And we actually might feel confident that we can maybe win a game. God forbid if anything happens to Sam, we can have Joe Flacco step in and we have some kind of a chance. Yeah, and... Um... I don't think we felt too confident with James Morgan coming in and being the backup right away. I mean, uh, Joe Flacco coming from a small school in Delaware, which is an FCS school. At least James Morgan comes from an FBS school at Florida International. Right. Maybe Joe Flacco can, um, you know, kind of tell him what it's like to come from a small school. I don't think Joe Flacco is the kind of mentor that, like, Josh McCown is. Um, I don't think he'll be that mentor for Morgan or Sam. But – you know, it's a veteran leader that knows how to win, that Joe Douglas is familiar with, that comes from a very uh, respectable organization in Baltimore that I think will make an impact in this locker room, even if he doesn't step on the field. And mm-hmm. um, signing a backup quarterback, I think, was crucial for this team. I would have been on board if they signed Andy Dalton. Um, obviously, he went to the Cowboys and got a lot more money than uh, Joe Flacco did. But and we're happy it's not Cam Newton. Yes. Uh, overall, I'm very happy with this signing. I think, you know, he's going to make a big impact. And, you know, let's hope this doesn't happen. You know, knock on wood. 
but uh, if if he has to come in and play, um, we feel somewhat confident. Yeah, and you know he's not the same quarterback he used to be because you know Drew Locke beat him out in Denver, and you know he did have injury issues. So he, he I don't think he's coming into the season completely healthy, but um, let him heal. Like, you know he doesn't have the burden of playing right away, and uh, yeah, I think overall this is a a good signing for the Jets and it'll be hopefully a positive one. Maybe the only time we'll see him play is when the Jets have clinched the playoffs and they're giving Sam a rest week before the playoffs. Oh hopefully let's hope that's the only time he's playing. Scott, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> All right, so let's um, let's move on. You go ahead. Okay. I'll let you leave off. Um, couple, uh, a couple of stories revolving defensive backs. Uh for the Jets. Uh, first, we'll just touch on the probably unlikely nature of the Jets signing Logan Ryan now, after yeah. which was previously reported by Manish Mehta that the Jets were likely to sign Logan Ryan. Don't get me started. Uh, now they don't want to pay him. So yeah, I think he would have made a huge impact in this defensive back room. They have a lot of young guys. I think they could have been really helped out by a veteran leader who knows how to win, who comes from New England, which, you know, obviously has a very good history of winning and winning a lot. Um, and the Jets are in need of a corner, especially a veteran one, uh, someone who can, you know, really headline that room. Um, I think this would have been a really good signing. Um, all I'm saying is now if they better sign, go sign Larry Warford, because yeah. if there's another need other than corner on this team, it's probably offensive line. And Larry Warford is a Pro Bowl uh, caliber offensive line coming in in his prime. I think he's like 27 years old, coming off three straight Pro Bowls. Like the Jets need to get him, and I, I think Joe Douglas will, is probably doing his due diligence on him. But you know, uh, let's let's get that done. Let's not fool around. And I, I'm really surprised at how you know there's not much noise going on around that right now. I would have thought he would have been you know scooped up really quickly. Yeah, going back to the Logan Ryan thing. I'm kind of okay with Joe Douglas passing on not giving him $10 million a year. A 29, I, I just don't think the Jets need to be buried into another Tremaine Johnson-like situation. I'm not saying Logan Ryan is Tremaine Johnson. Not at all. I do agree with you in the fact that they need corner help. It's obvious. You know, we look at the cornerback depth chart, Pierre Desir, um, uh, the guy that they picked up in the in the draft, Quincy Wilson, they got in the draft. They traded with the Colts. Brian Poole bringing back uh, questions about Bless Austin. Like there, there's no question they need cornerback help. I just don't want the Jets to be locked into a 29 year old guy that just wants a lot of money for Logan Ryan. He's fine. I mean, last year played 16 games, healthy, four interceptions. I mean that that's good numbers, but. I don't know. I'm being 29 years old. How long is he really going to be there? And the Jets are going to overpay for a guy like that. I'm kind of okay with them passing on him at that price. If it was five million dollars a year, I'd say go take him, go get him now. But he's sticking in wants that 10 million, 10 million a year, and there's still kind of a reason he's still sitting out there. Yeah, and you know he uh, mainly played in the slot last year in Tennessee too, and. I think that's the reason why we brought back Brian Poole is he can be our slot corner. So, you know, maybe the fit isn't, you know, exactly what the Jets are looking for too, but uh, let's, let's just hope that, you know, 
we don't regret this because he's a Jersey think, guy, comes from Rutgers. Yeah. You know, I, I think he wanted to be a Jet and you know come back to his home state, but maybe the fit isn't there. Obviously, like you said, he's an older corner. You know, money mm-hmm. even on a one-year deal, ten million. You know, who knows what kind of emergency signing? But he wants mul- He wants multi-years. That's yeah. So, and the thing is, too, I feel like we should. Again, I understand we want like the best players on our team, but I'm not necessarily saying I'm okay going in to this season with the cornerback room that we have, but I'm a little more confident in who we have. I'm not like these guys aren't scrubs. Like Pierre Desir, he could surprise us. Quincy Wilson, he could surprise us. Yeah. And I'm hoping, we're all hoping that Bless Austin is an answer. So I'm going to take some stock into the guys that they have already. They're young. They're unproven. They're going to be hungry. And Bless Austin played really well last year. He was benched, you know, because he played bad. Hopefully, he takes the lessons learned from that and performs well coming into next year. So, but again, I'm not saying that the Jets' cornerback room is for sure a for sure thing. That's definitely far from the case. They do need help, yes. But $10 million a year, multi-year contract for a 29-year-old corner, um, I'm okay with passing on that. Now, Larry Warford, completely different. You have to go get that guy. 27 years old, former pro bowler. You got to go get him. I don't know why the Saints released him to begin with. It's still a mystery to me. But go get this guy. He's a guard. You can pair him with Alex Lewis, and you know you can put him on the other side. Perfect. I mean, Greg Van Roten's not going to be there forever. I mean, Greg Van Roten's on a, I believe it's a three-year deal, but it's, again, one of those deals where you can opt out after the first year. So if you get a for-sure Pro Bowler guard and Larry Warford, you give him a three-year deal, you can have then Van Roten be your backup. Again, depth is a huge thing with this offensive line. Huge. Yeah. That's That's what JD is preaching, as well as versatility. And now probably the biggest news that's running rampant through the NFL uh, community is the news of the contract impasse that the Jets are at with Jamal Adams. Um, I've seen today reports saying that it's not a money thing. It's a timing thing. The Jets, you know, want to wait because they still have three years of control on him. He's only on his fourth year, hasn't even played out his fifth year option yet, even though they picked that up. Um. I don't know. I think this is a guy that, you know, is a franchise player. Joe Douglas has been saying the entire offseason that this is something that he wants to get done. He thinks that Jamal will be a Jet for life and wants him to be a Jet for life. I'm not a huge fan of screwing around with this. I I think that they understand that he's going to become the highest paid safety in the league uh, over, is it Eddie Jackson's like 14.6 million? I think it's the current highest uh, safety contract. He's going to get higher than, you know, 15 million. I've seen people throw out the four-year, sixty million figure. I think it could get a little higher than that. We have to remember too that a month or two ago, he was saying he wanted to be the highest-paid player on the Jets, and we know CJ Mosley's making eighteen million dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's definitely going to be. Uh, I I could honestly see Joe Douglas wanting to wait until they can get Le'Veon's contract off the books. After probably this year, they can cut him and not really have any dead money mm-hmm. for you know the Jets to make a big push. At, I also big push at him. I also think that Joe Douglas is trying to keep some cap flexibility for you know emergency things that are coming up because if you because Jamal's going to want his big payday this year probably. 
yeah, that's, he's not going to want to play. Yeah, he's definitely made that known. He, he's not going to want to play under that rookie contract this year and have the new contract start next year. Yeah. And here's the thing, too, I don't think a lot of people understand. The new TV deal is coming next year. Jamal Adams is going to get new money. He's going to get more. Mm-hmm. So this, so you know what? I kind of have to side with the Jets on this one. Yeah. I'm Again, I don't like the game that they're playing either, but we also have to remember the times that we're living in right now. Yeah. Beat reporters have nothing to write about, Scott. Like, That's true. They got to make up some kind of story. So we're going to be seeing this Jamal Adams crap for a, for a while. Yeah. Like, it's going to come up once every month, let's just say. But here's the thing. Joe Douglas, the Jets have all the leverage right now, which is rare. Very rare that they have all this leverage. Like, they have three. Uh, Jamal Adams is going to be a UD, uh, UDFA. I'm sorry, not UDFA. A UFA in 2022. The Jets have time. Now, I don't want it to come to the point where the Jets are going to slap a franchise tag on them because that's not going to look good. Yeah, no. I don't want to wait for that. But, like, the Jets don't have to sign Jamal to a contract now. Would I like them to? Absolutely. I would really want them to do that just to get this done and over with. And so Jamal can be a Jet for life. But I don't want to hear that Joe Douglas is going back on his word because he's not. He's not. Yeah. And if he's, he did that, Jets fans would literally yeah. rip him into one. Yeah, we've said it. But Joe Douglas is just doing his job. Now, this is very rare for us to act like this because on a normal day, we'd be like, this needs to be done now. What are we doing? But Joe Douglas is somebody we have not had in the building in a very long time. We actually think this guy knows what he's doing. But does Jamal Adams deserve this big contract? I have said it over and over and over again. Yes, yes, yes. He does. He deserves to be the highest paid safety in the NFL because he's the best safety in the NFL. That goes without saying. Yeah. But... The Jets have all the leverage here, which is a rarity for them. Like I've said, they can wait. And what Jamal doesn't understand, I understand he wants his money now. Everyone wants to be paid as soon as possible. This new TV deal is going to give him more money. It's going to give him new money. It's not going to you know, fall under the current CBA or the current deal right now. He's going to get new money. That's what he needs to realize. Now, I'm sure his agent is pushing him, say, hey, you know, let's get this deal done now. But you got to think about it. I definitely do think that, again, I'm going to go back on this. I've said this months and months at a time when we've talked about this. Jamal Adams, the Jets want Jamal Adams to be a Jet for life. I fully believe that. But does Jamal Adams want to be a Jet for life? That's the question. That is the question. I have no, I really have rarely any doubts that the Jets want to bring him back to be a Jet for life. I have questions that Jamal wants to be a Jet for life. Yeah. And... You know, I honestly, too, another reason for him not to sign this contract is this is a big year in terms of the Jets moving forward and becoming a team that, you know, can compete in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I uh, I could see Jamal, you know, waiting another year. If the Jets take a step back from seven and nine, move on from another head coach, why does he want to be a part of this anymore? You know, people are writing you that. Cannot you cannot know, blame him. You cannot yeah. blame him for that. People are writing that, you know, the losing is causing a stir in the locker room because he you know, is very vocal about it and doesn't, and like, you know, is very upset at where the team is, you know, as, as all, you know, of us are too, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think there's more things, more, you know, reasons to wait than there is to sign him right now. I mean, 
Maybe if you sign him right now, you can get him for a little less money. But personally, I don't really see that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is going to get a little bit ugly if Jamal acts the way he did after the trade talks in the season, even though Joe Douglas was clearly not shopping him. He was just listening to offers and doing his job. But Jamal, honestly, you know, kind of acted like a child during that whole thing. You know, Joe Douglas, I don't I don't think Joe Douglas was shopping Jamal Adams. If he was shopping Jamal Adams, he would have traded him. Yeah. And wouldn't have asked for, you know, a first and two twos and one of the best, you know, linemen on the Cowboys, which, you know, yeah. the Cowboys fans were, like, freaking out that the Jets asked for so much. Yet what do you getting, expect for the best safety in the league? Yeah, and Cowboys fans are delusional, so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. This, this could get a little bit ugly, especially. So. But also. I don't think this is a, a Christopher and Woody Johnson thing. I don't think they have a problem spending to the salary cap. No. That's something that you can't... Especially for this type of player. Yeah, one that's... generation type player. That's something that you can't, you know, hold against them. They, they're they not great owners, and they, you know, try to have too much uh, say in everything, but you cannot hold it against them that they, they will spend the money. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that this has anything to do with Christopher Johnson, you know holding out that he doesn't want to spend at the salary cap, even in the times that we are, we're in right now. I think that, you know, he's full, full go. At least you'd hope that he is. I mean, we don't know. Let's, we really don't know. But don't no know one's that reported part. that. I feel like if that was even out there, you know, Manish or somebody Manish would have said it. Probably. That would have been no, that would have been public knowledge if, and I, I've seen too, that, like during this, so th- that this most likely is not a Christopher Johnson not wanting to spend to the cap kind of thing. Because I think Christopher Johnson, as dumb as we think he is as an owner, he realizes that Jamal Adams is one of the best draft picks the Jets have ever had and that the Jets don't draft well. And a player like this, especially with our team, comes once every 20, 25 or so years. Mm-hmm. So he's, and he's got to see the value from a business perspective too. Oh yeah, how many Jamal Adams jerseys are out there? And bunch. So he, a bunch. he brings a people cow. to the stadium. He brings mm-hmm. people to training camp, even though they're free tickets. It brings people to training camp to. He's one know, of the main reasons we go and, every year. Yeah, he like, is. He if if he leaves, it's going to be MetLife Stadium is going to be even worse of a. Uh, of a home field advantage for the Jets. Yeah. It's going to so, be not good at all. So before we move on to some Nets stuff, are you now more on this? Are you currently as you stand? Are you more on the side of the Jets or Jamal Adams? And what can make you turn from that? If that something were like that were to happen? I don't know. I mean, I, I just want this to get done. Like, yes. We all do. I think I think I from what Joe Douglas has done before, done so far, I think he's doing the right thing. But the problem is he hasn't yeah he, he hasn't, you know, done anything that's shown in a football season. Yeah. He didn't have they a chance to build a team for last season. This is his first season that he's doing the draft and free agency. And we don't know and, what these draft players are gonna be. Yeah, I mean it looks hopefully a lot more promising than what McCagnan and Itzik have done and he comes with a very high reputation and people all around the league many insiders you know are very high on him and you know believe that he's going to lead this team but we still have you know 
a very questionable head coach. We don't know if Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback. We don't have, you know, a lot of weapons on the outside in terms of wide receiver. I mean, we have a very good backfield now, especially I think Frank Gore could help a lot in the backfield. And, you know, from what we've heard, Adam Gase is building a scheme for Le'Veon Bell. But again, that's stuff we've heard last year, too. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I just hope Jamal doesn't act like he did during the season during this. I think I'm more on the Jets side just from the way Jamal has <clears throat> um, handled this whole contract negotiation thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm more on the Jets side right now, but I guess time will tell. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. Um, can we go back? I just want to go back for a second with the whole Sam Darnold thing. Kind of off topic, but Jet fans, I've come to the realization that Jet fans are really expecting Sam Darnold to be a top five quarterback in the league. Um, I don't, and it hurts me to say this, but I don't think he's ever going to be a top three quarterback in the league. And I say this because we shouldn't expect the world out of this kid. I love Sam. Love him. I wish he would be the Patrick Mahomes, but he's not. That's just not who he is. And I get annoyed when some Jet fans expect the whole entire world out of this kid. We've seen what he can do. He's got the intangibles. Others that are on this podcast, a.k.a. Joe, does not think he does. Now, I can't blame Joe for thinking that way, though, because we've seen the bad of Sam. You know, you and I like to see the good in Sam rather than the bad. But that's all up for debate. But you cannot expect Sam next year with the limited weapons that he has and a new constructed offensive line that's going to take weeks to mesh. You can't expect the guy to throw for 40 touchdowns and three interceptions. Like, what I think we're getting is Sam's going to throw and commit his turnovers. We're getting Brett Favre. Like, that's his ceiling. Brett Favre threw a lot of touchdowns, but threw a lot of picks and made some mistakes. The bottom line is what I'm trying to get at. Stop trying to expect the world of Sam Darnold because the guy's younger than we are. You know? And with his second head coach, hopefully he excels and is better in the second year of Adam Gase's system. But fans need to stop expecting Joe Montana and Tom Brady just accept Sam Darnold for what he will be for what he will be and what he is now he's gonna throw interceptions believe me but Scott I want you to tell me one time has Sam Darnold ever thrown a game losing interception in his two years with the Jets like game losing like cost us the game can you think of one off the top of your head no, I mean, he's definitely, he hasn't come, th- honestly, I guess now that I'm stuttering over myself, not really. He's made some dumb throws. Yes. And there's YouTube videos out there of every bad throw of Sam Darnold's career as a Jet. There's one of Mark Sanchez, too. There's a running theme here, the team that they play for. Yeah, I think I think if this was a team that hasn't perennially had terrible quarterbacks, that it wouldn't be 
you know, looked at so closely. But the fact that the Jets haven't had a franchise quarterback in who knows how long, maybe three like years, Vinny Testaverde maybe. and Chad Pennington, arguably. But yeah. yes, Namath is definitely the argument that you can. He's the gold there's standard. Been, there's been a lot of, you know, potential with, you know, various quarterbacks in the past, but it didn't help that Sam came in with such high expectations. It didn't help. It doesn't help that the Jets haven't had a quarterback in forever. It doesn't help that the Jets haven't been to the playoffs since 2010. 2010. And yeah, it, uh, yeah. I, I where just, do, um, but like, where do you stand on the expectations of Sam? Like, are you, are like, are you with me that we need to stop expecting the world of him? Like, where do I mean, you I stand? Th- I think this is the biggest season so far for him. Because yes, I agree. he needs to show that he has potential to be the star of the franchise quarterback. Because if he, you know, I'm not going to say he regresses this year, but if he, you know, stays pretty even or, yeah, doesn't really show any sort of improvement, let the talks start coming that the Jets are going to be looking for a quarterback. And I don't think that's necessarily right. No, I don't either. Like, but it's like, just, you know, if you don't have a quarterback in this league, you're not going to win. Exactly. And, but then but then this too, and then I promise we'll move on to the Nets. But we look at Sam's two years, and non-Jet fans especially, for some reason, are like, Sam Darnold had such a good year last year. So much better than his rookie year. He didn't. Like, you look at the numbers, they're pretty similar in nature. They're just a little bit better, but not by what we expected under Adam Gase, an offensive guru. So, but my point still stands. And you were right when you said, you know, a fran- you need a franchise quarterback in order to win. But, you need like, everyone's definition of a franchise quarterback is different. Yeah. And, and people don't really realize that. A franchise quarterback to me is you can make as many turnovers and mistakes as you want. If you, as long as you win the game and you're and you bring a winning mentality to the team, as long as you're winning me games, I don't care how you do it. Very true. If you're throwing two interceptions, three interceptions a game, but you're still winning the game, do what you got to do. The numbers are very misleading. But, you know, not everybody's going to have numbers like Peyton Manning. Not all franchise quarterbacks have numbers like Tom Brady. So, everyone's definition of a franchise quarterback is different, but we need to realize as Jet fans, what Sam is and what he can be is great. He can be great, but we need to realize what his ceiling is and what his floor is, and that point in the middle of what he actually is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We just kind of need to accept what he is, and if he's not, and if he doesn't end up being the guy then so be it. But again, we need to stop this net. Like we need to stop the whole conversation of whether he's the guy now. Like, yeah, I mean, he's 22 years old. You, we don't know. Anything. Joe Burrow is older than him. Exactly. Yeah, so we don't know anything about the kid yet. We don't. The thing is the biggest argument for Sam right now is he's had nothing around him. He's had right. no offensive line. He's and the question a- is, does he now? I, yeah. I mean, he has a better offensive line. Yes. He had a historically bad offensive line last year. Mm-hmm. He is his uh his like weapons have been subpar, like and they're still subpar. 
Like, did they? I don't. I don't know if they did enough to get him the weapons that he needs for this to be a playoff team. Does he? I don't know. That's the question. And we don't know because we don't know what we're getting out of Paraman. We don't know what they're getting out of Denzel Mims. So that's the question that's going to be remain to be seen if he's got enough weapons. I think he's got the offensive line. I it's don't definitely think, getting there. It's definitely getting there. I'm not saying that's the concrete offensive line that's going to be for the next 10 years. It's obviously not. But there's it's a starting point. Yeah. But uh, like I said, like when we did our, our record predictions – they have the second toughest schedule in the league. They yeah. could be improved. <laughs> of course they, they could. Do. They could be improved, but the record could be worse than last year or the same. Yeah, cool. it just it just matters like how they compete against you know those teams that are borderline. Yeah. So let's leave it at that. Let's get to your Nets. The Nets. <laughs> the. Uh... <sighs> this Bradley Beal stuff is kind of scaring me. Really? I, I don't want to trade Karis LeVert for, you know, yes, Bradley Beal is a very good player. He's, he would make a difference. And Karis LeVert, you know, at, he's only been in the league three, four years. He is 26 years old or going to turn 26 years old. Right. He is older than people think. But you can see what Karis LeVert has done. Again, look at that Celtics game where he scored, I think it was 45, 50 points mm-hmm. this past season. He can make a huge impact. Jared Allen is one of the best up-and-coming centers in the league. And I don't care that DeAndre Jordan's on the team. DeAndre Jordan is not the long-term fix. No. Jared Allen has improved every single year. He's arguably the most valuable team on the Nets, even though they have Kyrie Irving, who barely played. Spencer Dinwiddie, I've always kind of come – I've always kind of, you know, thought that they would trade him for someone just because, you know, D'Lo was there and now Kyrie is here and, you know, he's always back up and, you know, he gets paid a lot for, I think he gets paid about $12 million a year to be, mm-hmm. you know, backup point guard, maybe starting Your shooting guard. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes, that is very important to have off the bench as a spark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've always kind of come to think that he would be traded at some point. I don't know. Bradley Beal just always, I feel like, has some sort of negative connotation surrounding around him. But, like, I mean, I feel like... but I'll play devil's advocate with you now. 30.5 points per game this past year. Yeah. On a Wizards team that didn't have John Wall. Basically, I know the Wizards aren't a good team this year, but Bradley Beal put the Wizards in situations where they could win games, but with the guys that he didn't have, the lack there of guys he didn't have with him, he's doing yeah. it all himself. Yeah. So you and I put, mean, this, I'm just this, I'll, let me put the dream scenario in your head, please. Let me just do it. Kyrie, Bradley Beal, KD, and let's just say you keep Karis LeVert. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think there's a way to. I don't, I don't think. think so I don't think either. that's possible. I don't think so either. Because the Nets have no cap space. Karis LeVert is being is uh, earning about $17 million a year. Yeah. So let's just say, let's just say, you're starting five. If they, if this deal happens, you have Kyrie, you have Bradley Beal as your two. Your three would probably be, as it stands, Joe Harris. Oh, no, I'm sorry, KD. My bad. Um, your four 
I mean, you're the Nets fan in the building. So, like, would your four be um, either Jared Allen, Theo, um, Theo Pinson, Terry on Prince, Kurutz? I mean, would See, they have always, to This has always been a position – free agency? This has always been a position that the Nets have kind of struggled to find someone that fits there because – Power forward. The, well, with Kenny Atkinson, it was that way. Mm-hmm. Now, who knows who's going to be the new head coach and what kind of system they want to play. But Kenny Atkinson's system, you always wanted a stretch for, like yeah. an Aaron Gordon. And that was why there was always so many different rumors surrounding, like, surrounding the Nets with Aaron Gordon. And are they going well, to trade? KD, KD can play that stretch for. Yeah, so maybe – I think that's where he's going to play, actually, is the four. So I think it would be Kyrie, Joe Harris, or if Bradley Beal's there – it would be Kyrie, Bradley Beal. I mean, Joe Harris is also a free agent this year. They could okay. re-sign him because they have his bird rights, so it's not going to – you know, there's no, like, cap space restrictions around that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Torian Prince did play some good minutes for the Nets this past season. Theo Pinson I'd... I don't think is going to be someone who can contribute a lot, mm-hmm. but, you know, he has played in the past. Garrett Temple's still around. Mm-hmm. And then you I'd have say... KD and then Jared Allen slash DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. That's a pretty sexy starting five. But there's no way that would happen if they have Bradley Beal because I think Jared Allen would also be gone. You think so? I think so. Unless the Nets – this is another, like, Celtics-Nets situation where they trade away, like, three first-round picks for him. See, are, see I want to know. Like, I don't mean this to be funny, but are you still, like, cautious whenever the Nets want to make a trade because of the whole situation years ago with the Boston Celtics? Like, <laughs> I mean – Like, is there ever, like, a point where you're just, like – I don't want to be screwed again like we were, like, you know? Yeah, I mean... Again, completely new regime. Completely different regime. It definitely is, and, you know, Sean Marks has shown that he's been a very formidable great GM. GM. Great, great GM. GM. Yes. The reason the Nets are in the position they are today. Yes. But, yeah, kind of. And, I, honestly, the Nets have never been in a win-now mode. So, I've always been... We've been looking at these prospects, like Karis LeVert, for the past, you know, how many years, seeing, you know, how he can break out. Unfortunately, you know, he's been a victim to the injury bug and very mm. serious injuries yeah. uh, the past couple seasons. We've seen Jared Allen literally, you know, flourish before our eyes the way he's been a late first-round pick. And now he's is phenomenal. a very good... Yeah, very good player. Um, the thing is, though, Kyrie said that you know, this team needs talent. And mm-hmm. when you have stars like Kyrie and KD, unfortunately, they're going to be the ones that can kind of run the team. Yeah, they're for – I mean, I don't think I act, I don't think we actually got your take on the whole Kenny Atkinson thing because we were still at school I, at that it, point. I was shocked. Yeah. Um, do you think – we'll flash back to that for a second. Do you think KD and Kyrie really had a say on Kenny Atkinson's fate in Brooklyn? I mean, I think they were probably, you know, asked about it. Mm. And I'm sure they weren't against it uh, unless it wouldn't have happened. But also, I don't think they were big proponents in it because KD said one of the reasons that he came to the Brooklyn was because he liked one the way they played. Hanson. Yeah, And, you know, I just don't see – I don't think that they were big, you know, I don't think they pushed for this. Because Kenny Atkinson is notoriously a very good head coach for point guards. I mean, you've seen it in the development. Look what he turned D'Angelo Russell into. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a video coming out the other day, and I think it was like last week or two weeks ago, and 
uh, a quote from D'Angelo Russell saying, I don't think he realized what he had because he didn't want D'Angelo Russell to play ISO ball. And there was mm-hmm. one, there's a video with Kenny Atkinson in the background. D'Angelo made a, a like a late shot off an ISO play that he mm-hmm. drew up for himself. And Kenny just walked and turned his back and walked down the bench and didn't even look at the ball go in the net. So, I mean, I think that it's inevitable that, honestly, I don't really want it. Some Nets fans do. I don't, I don't know. I really want Mark Jackson to be the next head coach. I think that he'd be fantastic, you know, um, guys, the Nets head coach. Let's let's put it on the table. He was unfairly fired. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I, but what I'm getting at is I think it's inevitable that a Ty Lue head coach signing is coming. Um, I think so because he's won championships with Cleveland. He's, you know, gotten along with Kyrie. He was the ball boy. Basically. I'm just telling you. I know, but... KD is that team's LeBron, and Kyrie is Kyrie. Yeah, I don't, like... This is what I was afraid... This is what I was afraid kind of thing was going to happen with the Nets. And kind of in the back of your mind, you were... I think you were kind of thinking the same thing, too. That Kyrie... I'm going to say more so Kyrie, because he's the more outspoken of the two when it comes to knowing what he wants. Yeah. And if you bring a Tyron, like for people to actually think that Tyron Lue knows what he's doing as a head coach is so deceiving. Yeah. Because when you are the head coach, like is Frank Vogel really a good head coach? Like he coaches the Lakers. (laughs) Like, I mean, he did good things in Indiana when, you know, they had Paul George and Roy Hibber. Like he was a good head coach for them, had some success. But when you have, one of the top three best players in the world in, in, in a league where the players run everything, it's really difficult to find actually a good head coach. Now, Mark Jackson is a very good head coach, and he's proven it. Mm-hmm. Tom Thibodeau, he's been there. I like Tibbs. I, I mean – I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'll I'll compete with the Nets for you know Mark Jackson for the Nick job. I would love Mark Jackson for the Nick job. I feel like he would have been hired already if the Knicks were gonna right. hire him. Right. But the Knicks are playing, you know, they're trying to get their front office in order, which they, you know, they made a move later like before this week. Um I think for the Knicks, I don't mean to turn this by the Knicks, we'll we'll turn it back to the Nets, but I think it's either Tibbs or Mark Jackson. I'll be happy with either one. Would really like Stan Van Gundy as well, but we'll see. You have no interest in Stan Van Gundy? It would definitely be interesting. Um, I just don't know if a personality like his would be welcomed in today's NBA by the stars because mm. he hasn't really coached in today's day and age of the NBA. Yeah, that's true. Like, when's the last time he coached in the NBA? Like, mm. before 2010, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't I don't really think he, uh, he fits. Mm. Well, he's been in the broadcast booth for a while, so. Yeah. I don't know. He's still. I mean, the Van Gundys are very well well respected in the NBA as far oh, as oh, they're fantastic go. head yeah. coaches. I just don't they know are. if he would be able to adapt to today's game. Yeah, basically. I think. So, I think that coaches. One of the reasons why I think Ty Lue was so you know well liked in Cleveland is because he was young and he you know could he pretty much did whatever LeBron and Kyrie wanted, mainly LeBron. So to finish out. The Nets situation as a whole, how are you – like, if you're – you are a Nets fan. So, but if you're speaking for the entire Nets nation, 
How are you feeling at this moment? Between the whole head coach thing, between Katie and Kyrie's relationship and if they run the team or not, and the Bradley Beal thing. I mean, I think there's optimism no matter what because we have Katie and Kyrie. Right. No matter what happens. And you can say that. Like, you can happily say that. Yeah. I think no matter what happens, the Nets are going to be fighting for an Eastern Conference Finals this coming year. That's what you're hoping. That's what that that's your expectation. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that you know you have one of the two best players in the game, in KD. I mean, we don't really know how he's going to come back from his injury, but you know, Dominique Wilkins also had the same injury that he did, and he was just as good uh, pre-injury as or post-injury as he was pre-injury. Mm-hmm. I think you know the Nets are going to be fighting for a top four seed in the East. The East has gotten much better over the past couple seasons. You know, you have yeah. Milwaukee up there. I mean, Toronto, they did lose Kawhi. Um, and but they're really second knows, seed right now. Yeah, who really knows what they want to do? I've seen them, you know, I've seen reports of them maybe shopping Kyle Lowry for someone. Um, but they're still up there. They have a good organization run up there by uh, Masai Ujiri, maybe mm-hmm. f- future Knicks. Uh... No, not happening. <laughs> um, Believe me, I mean, if they didn't hire Leon Rose, that would have happened. Yeah, but um, and then you Maybe. have uh, Boston, Philly, like the East is very good. Now. The East, is, you know what? The East is actually fun to watch. Yeah, and you know the West is still pretty good too. So you cannot forget about Indiana either. But I, yeah. you know, there have been talks that Indiana might want to tear it down. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of these teams are better than them. I don't think they really have a chance to win. Mm. Um, I mean, Oladipo is a very good player. I just don't know if he's like a number one guy on a, right. on a team, mm-hmm. but I think that uh, the Nets should be fighting for a top four seed in the East and hopefully playing into an Eastern conference finals. I, I think, you know, does the head coach really matter in the NBA? Like it matters uh, in no. the NFL It matters in the NHL. Uh, it does play a difference in the MLB. I think the head coach in the NBA is the least, uh, influential position out of the four major sports because it's such a player's league. Yep. And you know, LeBron will coach his own team. KD will coach his own team. KD and Kyrie, you know, will team together and get probably what they want. So you're pretty much like a a puppy dog in in the whole world. You're you're just like, you know, so are you applying for the next job? I I wish. (laughs) All right. Well, That'll do it for our little bonus episode here on the Tri-State Sports Beat. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for sticking around. And again, if you don't already, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TSSB Pod for all your daily updates on all nine New York sports teams and all of our content on all of our social media platforms will be headed your way as well. Don't forget, we have part one and two. Part one will be up on Monday. Part two is pending. We just recorded that tonight so that'll be coming your way soon this will be out before then so stay tuned for our two-part documentary recap of the last dance the espn documentary on the michael jordan led chicago bulls hope you guys will enjoy everything that's coming your way and we will see you next time here on the tri-state sports beat